so glad that the kingdom is breaking out. You're a part of a move of God. But you've got to understand this man named Abraham. But I want, we're going to do a little bit of ancestry in this sermon right now. We're going to go look at Abraham's lineage. And we're going to show you where the curse entered his life. But to help me do that portion, I, I'm going to need some backup from a heavy hitter. So can you guys welcome Pastor Daniel Santis across every campus right now? Hey, praise the Lord. Amen. Like I said in the service before, uh, if you do church and by Monday you have no voice, you haven't done church right. <laughs> and we're not even halfway there through Sunday. I'm already losing my voice. So praise the Lord. We're doing church right. <laughs> Amen. So, yeah, just as Pastor Mike was saying, uh, first of all, thank you, Pastor Mike, for allowing me to uh, preach the word of God to the church. So can we put our hands together to honor the father of the house, Pastor Mike? I know that through this word, there's going to be breakthrough, there's going to be freedom, there's going to be a before and after through the series. And this is part one of, some, of part two, and next Sunday, you can't miss it, you got to come to part two. So sign up through the V1 up, shameless plug right there, download it if you don't have it. <laughs> All right, how many of you guys know that we have been called by God, we have a destiny, we have a purpose, but also our bloodlines have purpose and they have destiny. Uh, that's why the, the Bible, and I'm going to go quick through this, um, they show the genealog uh, the bloodline. Let me squeeze, uh, there we go. Can't even speak English right right now. <laughs> uh, that's because my family comes from a Spanish-speaking country, an Italian-speaking country. English is not my first language. So what does that mean? There's things that go through our bloodline. Be, that happened not because it happened to us but because it happened in, through our bloodline so if we read in genesis chapter 11 verse 26 to 32 we're not going to read the whole thing but starting on verse 31 which is what pastor mike uh read it says terah took abram his son and lot the son of haran his grandson and sarah his daughter-in-law his son abram's wife and then went forth together from or of the chaldeans to go into the land of canaan but when they came to Haran, they settled there. Uh, they, the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah, Terah, Terah died in Haran. It's a uh, tongue twister over here in the Bible. Don't worry about me. As long as you have the Bible in front of you, you, you understood what I was trying to say. But um, in Genesis 11, we see the bloodline from, coming from Noah to Shem and then from Shem to Abraham but right before Abraham the Bible pauses and tells the bloodline and tells the story of Abraham's father Terah and I'm wondering why does the Bible pause in here and tells a story because we know the God of the Bible as the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob so why does the Bible stop on a generation before and speaks about him Terah was the father of Abraham. And I speculate, based on, 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 based on what we read here, I think that Abraham learned from who God was from his father. Just like many of us, in my case, I learned who God was because of my, fa my father, my mother. My kids learned who God is from my mother and from, from us, from myself and my wife. Uh, so I believe that Abraham learn who God was from his father 
And I'm speculating here because the Bible doesn't say this. But I'm thinking that if the Bible makes a stop in there, he's saying, hey, look, go from Ur to Canaan. Because in Canaan, there's the promised land. But he, the Bible says something. He stopped halfway there. If you, put a map, if you pull up a map of the desert that it was from Babel, uh, Babel, Babylon and Canaan, if you pull up a map, a map from Ur to Canaan, Haran is exactly halfway to the land that he was going to. But he stopped there. Why did he stop halfway? Uh, if we read if we, the story that we just read, his son died. Imagine you're one of your children dying. Would you be happy? Would you be depressed? I could not imagine this. Stopping halfway could be because he bowed down to depression, anxiety. He bowed down to fear, and he did not focus on the promise that God had for him. So my question to you now, if God has called you, if we prophesied in the church that has, God has called you to something, are you going to focus on what God has called you to do, or are you going to focus on what the things that life brings? Are you going to focus on, on the depression? Are you going to focus on death? Or are you going to focus on life? Are you going to focus on the death that the enemy has sent to get you? Or are you going to focus on the life-giving purpose that God has given you? Amen? God told him and has told us to focus on the supernatural and not in the natural. When Abraham gets... Uh, in, in the following verses, Abraham is called by God. And now God does speak. Now I'm not speculating anything. God says to Abraham, go and leave your family, leave your land, and move to Canaan. And God calls him from there. And what happens is that he focused on the supernatural and not the natural. And why am I saying this? Because when Abraham gets to Canaan, what he finds there is famine. He finds the land that is empty. The promise that God has given you sometimes is not what you think it's going to look like. The promise sometimes doesn't look like, hey, if I go into ministry full time or if my business that God has gave me a dream for is going to be all beautiful. It's going to be all great. Sometimes it doesn't even look like that. So the question now is, are you going to focus on the supernatural or are you going to focus on the natural? Are you going to see in the spirit realm or are you going to see in the natural realm? Are you going to follow excellence? Excellence, or you're going to go in mediocrity just like Terah did. Mediocrity comes from stopping in the middle. He stopped in the middle. He stopped in the middle. So my question to you is, are you going to stop in the middle? Or are you going to keep on going? Things that happen not only here at V1, but happen in all of church and Christianity. We start doing stuff. But we never finish. And I know my beautiful wife is going to agree with me here. And I have authority to speak about this. I always start a project and I never finish it. I never finish it. You know what that is? That's the spirit of abortion. Abortion is terminating something that God has birthed inside of you. And then you end it. Abortion in ministry. Abortion in business. Abortion of light. That's a spirit. And we have to break with it. Amen? A lot of people starting connect groups, they full up when as soon as they open. But halfway there, half of the people are gone. They never finish. 
They never keep on going. We have businesses like there and we never see them fulfilled. We have Dream Team signups that go through the roof. Shameless plug. And then they drop out of V1 Kids. Huh? That's why my wife had to be there this morning. And the biggest one of all, we go through a series of giving tithing to our church and growing in our finances. And we're all hyped up. Oh, God is going to do mighty things. God is going to do an amazing thing in my life. And we start giving and believing in what God says that he's going to do. And we start on day one. By the 31st of the month, that the bill comes up. And they said, well, maybe God did not speak that. And maybe I'm not going to give no more. And I'm going to focus on the natural bill instead of the supernatural provision of God. I'm going to go into mediocrity instead of the excellence that God has called us to. And I know this is offensive, but this is the truth. Sometimes in my house, I don't have enough money to say, hey, how am I going to do this? But I sign up to reoccurring giving, so that way I don't even have to think about it. This is yours, Lord. I don't want it because if I keep the 10%, then my 90% is cursed. But if I give the 10% to the Lord, then the 90% is blessed. And it's no longer 90%. It's 100% times 100% times 100%. And he keeps on giving because he loves me. He loves you. And like I said before, the God of, we know God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But what could it have been the God of Terah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Is the, genealog- uh, is the bloodline, again, I can't say the words. <laughs> but is the bloodline, is the curse is going to stop with you or is going to continue with you? Are you the curse breaker or you're the curse continuer? <laughs> I just made up a word. The differences between Abraham and Terah, his father. Terah started a journey, but he quit halfway there. Abraham finished the journey, and he built an altar to God when he got to the promised land. Terah, if we, if we read in Joshua chapter 24, he, when he got halfway and he got the mediocrity, he stopped halfway and he built an altar to idols and to other gods besides the one true God. So mediocrity, stopping in the middle, aborting your purpose in life is going to cause you to worship other gods. It's going to cause you to worship money. It's going to cause you to worship your job. And it's not going to cause you to worship the one that has given you the job, the one that has given you the money, the one that has given you the blessing, the one that has given you the ministry. And this is strong. Terah died when he stopped. But Abraham, if we keep on reading, went on to Egypt. And then the promises of God eventually came into his life. The promises eventually came down. He didn't get the blessings and then bless God. He first worshiped God. He first blessed God. And then later on, later on the blessings came down. The same thing happened with his son. The same thing happens with Jacob in the bloodline that we see that the blessing is not the money. The blessing is not the physical thing. Jacob, his descendancy, left the, his father's Isaac's house and he left with a stone. But the blessing was upon him. The blessing was upon him. So with that, I want to end. Are you going to be Abraham? Or are you going to be Terah? What are you going to be? Do you have a choice to make? And this is a choice we have to make today. But let's put our hands together for our pastor. Come on across every location. Can we do better than that for Pastor Daniel?
Amazing word. So for those of you who are like, man, we're tag team preaching. How did this happen? It's just such an incredible event. Last Sunday, I was talking about this service and Pastor Daniel started to mention that revelation, not knowing that he was referencing the scriptures that I had prepared for today. Then last night, I'm talking to Sean Warren. Shout out Sean Warren, our dream team coordinator in the V1 Indiana campus. And he sends me a screenshot of scriptures about Abraham. And I'm like, I am preaching about Abraham tomorrow. And he's like, no, you're not. So I had to take a screenshot and send it to him. And so God is uniting our house. How many of you know that this word is for our house? Because, you know, I want to jump back into the scripture. If you go to Joshua chapter 24, Joshua chapter 24 references this story that we're breaking down in scriptures. It says, long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshiped other gods. So when I first looked at this story, of Abraham's father only going halfway on the journey to the promised land, I initially thought it was the result of a lack of faith. But it wasn't the, the lack of faith. It was a misplaced faith. Okay, come on. Look at Papa Sigs in the eyes for a second. You don't have a lack of faith, most of you. You have a misplaced faith. If you trusted God like you trust your employer you would see the blessing of God start to flow. If you trust, oh. okay, wait, let me go deeper. Can I, do I have your permission? Some of you trust yourself more than you trust God, thereby making you your own God. Some of you are like, I don't have an idol. I don't worship money. I don't have an idol. I don't even struggle with sexual impurity. I don't have an idol. I don't struggle, you know, but, but God's like, you are the idol. You are the idol. And when I look at the story of this family lineage, it said long ago they got beyond the Euphrates River and they worshiped other gods. So this is what Abraham would have saw his daddy do. His daddy would have worshiped false gods. And what makes Abraham so special was the fact that Abraham was willing to break the religion and the tradition of his earthly father to move in the direction of his heavenly father. It makes Abraham even stronger to say, I will not worship the gods that my dad worshiped. It's almost like he was Islamic and he said, I won't be Muslim. I'm going to serve Christ as Messiah, not the prophet. It was almost like he was Hindu and said, you guys said there's many God, but I believe there's one way to heaven, which is Jesus Christ. It's almost like his parents were atheists, but he said, y'all don't believe in nothing, but I believe in Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. There's something about Abraham that he was a generational bloodline curse breaker. What if I told you that God may have to have you come to the decision that you are going to let the traditions and the beliefs and the opinions and the strategies of your parents die so that you can move into the promise because they knew something in part. But if you're going to know it in fullness, you got to be willing to let the previous generation's opinions, perspectives, religions, traditions die. And I know that's offensive because they're going to say things to you like, but I raised you to be a Catholic 
Why are you not a Catholic? You're supposed to go to Mass. Why don't you go to Mass? It's going to offend your family for you to come into a fullness of the understanding of Jesus Christ because they're going to say, but we're Muslims and we have always been in Islam, and, but you're a multi-generational Hindu. Some of them are going to say, you're Jewish. And matter of fact, we don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. We actually believe that he was a liar or a lunatic, but he definitely wasn't Lord. And it's going to be offensive for you to make a stand. Jesus prayed that the body of Christ would be one, but he said, sometimes I have to come and bring a sword that will even separate families. But those who are my family are the ones who do the will of my father. And so Abraham couldn't go to his own dad and say, look, I've got a father that taught me how to worship the heavenly father. Matter of fact, when Abraham checked in on his dad, he was worshiping false gods. But something had to rise up inside of Abraham that said, even if I have to be the first, I will be the father of many nations. Even if I have to be alone for a season, I will not be alone forever. Even if I have to be rejected by some of my family members, I'm going to be embraced by those who live in my yes and are thankful for what I'm doing. And so when you read this, come on, I'm trying to stir something up on the inside of you. Some of you might say, hey, I know that you went to a priest and confessed your sins. But when I actually read the Bible that you don't read, I know that you tried to be a good Catholic, but I actually read the Bible that you don't read. And it says that you no longer have to go through a priest, but you can come boldly before the throne of grace. Because when Jesus Christ died, he rent that, come on somebody, he rent that curtain and we got access directly. And so now I no longer have to ask the saints to pray on my behalf, but I have become a saint when I was washed by the blood of Jesus. And I may offend you if you raise me Catholic, but what you knew in part, I know in fullness. And Jesus is not a statue. He's a resurrected king. When I look at this Abraham in Joshua chapter 24, verse 2, it said long ago, he said they worshiped other gods. He had to reject their gods to serve the true one. And then in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, don't you like how the Bible cross-references itself? The Bible confirms itself. I know many of you are writing that down. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed and he went out to a place that he was going to receive an inheritance. What if I told you that in order to receive a godly inheritance, you have to walk a different direction than all your ancestors? What if I told you if you want to get your ancestors inheritance, do what your ancestors did. But if you want to get a heavenly inheritance, you got to walk a different direction. You got to move in a different direction. You got to be misunderstood. But I got good news for you. They don't have to like you for you to be anointed. They don't have to like you for you to be called. You don't have to be understood to be effective. You don't have to be validated by them to be validated by heaven. They might not call you on the phone, but the Holy Spirit has called you into his destiny, and you got to choose who you're trying to be in right standing with, because sometimes to be right with your family is to be wrong with God. Sometimes to be right with your coworkers is to be wrong with God. 
you know, and I'm just trying to tell you, this is what you see. It says, he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham had to make a decision. I don't even know what it looks like to have a good marriage because I come from divorce, but I'm going to go into a land I've never seen. I don't even know what it looks like to live in abundance because I come from multi-generational poverty, but I'm going to move into an area I've never seen. I don't know what it looks like to be faithful because I always quit too soon and I always short, I stop short of the blessing, but I'm going to be the first in my family who's consistent. I'm going to walk in a direction that I've never seen before. Why didn't Terah go all the way to the promised land with his son Abraham? Well, I'll tell you why. He had already traveled over 600 miles and only had 450 miles to go. So actually, if you look at the geography, he was more than halfway there. What if I told you that many of you, the reason why you haven't encountered breakthrough is because you've got more than halfway there but stopped too soon? Why, why do I say that? Because Christians say, well, I used to get drunk all the time, but now I only get drunk when something bad happens. So it's better than it used to be. And I'll accept better instead of going all the way to God's best. Sometimes we'll say, well, my, my husband and I, we used to fight all the time, or me and my wife used to fight all the time, and I used to punch holes in the wall and throw all the dishes, but now I only flip over the table and cuss everybody out every three months instead of every 30 minutes. And what happens is we don't get, ever obtain God's best because we stop a little bit more than halfway. We get to the point where we say, well, I used to smoke like a chimney, but now I only smoke when I'm stressed out. And so what happens is we get a little bit delivered, but I don't see a partial deliverance out of Egypt. I see a full deliverance of God's people out of Egypt. Sometimes we say, well, I'm just a little free in my body. I lost five pounds for a little while. God says, no, I want to take you all the way now, more, not just a little more than halfway. See, sometimes we, we've got to let better stop robbing us of best. We settle for freer instead of free indeed. We settle for partially delivered instead of fully delivered. We settle for religion and tradition instead of fiery hot romance and relationship. We settle for lukewarm instead of saying, I'm not stopping until the fire falls. In most of our churches, We've been convinced that God can do everything he wants to do in, in 70 minutes. But can I tell you, I'm not stopping until the glory falls. There's some things that can't happen on the schedule of a man. There's some times where, listen, I wish I could get you to lunch on time every time, but some of y'all need to skip lunch and fast anyways. There are some things that take time, and this generation doesn't know about that because we're an Instagram and TikTok generation, but the algorithm of heaven says those who endure to the end will be blessed. The algorithm of heaven doesn't say keep on scrolling till you get your answer. It says search me, and then you will know me. Seek, and then you will find fine knock and the door will be open up to you the algorithm of heaven isn't like your phone some of you are trying to treat the kingdom of heaven like instagram and tiktok some of you are trying to treat it like netflix subscription typing in what you want to get it back but the lord says you want more information but you need more impartation you got to get down on your knees you got to find me in that secret place you got to get back to your prayer closet if the only thing you got 
and your closet is closed. Don't call yourself a true believer in this next season. I want to see men who will get down on their knees, who will pray for their family, who will pray for their children. I want to see mothers and single people who got a prayer closet, who know how to grab a hold of the horns of the altar and say, God, until you touch me with a coal from your altar, until you change me, God, I want to be Abraham. I will not be Terah. I will not die in harem. I will not give up. I will not stop more than halfway through. My marriage will be the marriage I hope for on my wedding day. Ah, my spouse will be a man of God. I'm not going to give you that which is hard. I'm going to believe for the impossible. I'm going to pray until I see it happen. I'm not going to shut up. I'm going to be like the, the mother of Samuel the prophet who showed up and said, you guys can end this service, but you can't end my worship. I've got a word on the inside of me that says from heaven it's a yes. My body's saying no, but my prayers say yes. My body says no, but my faith says yes. My body says no, but my faith says yes. Who are you, Great Mountain? Who are you? Who are you, Great Mountain? Who are you? Who are you, Great Mountain? This is a church full of Abrahams, full of Sarahs. This is a generational blood curse breaking church full of Abrahams and Sarahs. I cried all the way to church today. I was weeping. I literally could hear heaven when I was praying this morning. I heard the music. I was weeping. I thought, you ever be praying in your car so hard that you think you're about to wreck your car and transition from that worship set into heaven's worship set? It's going to take you 25 minutes to realize you died because you're so caught up in the seventh, the seventh realm of heaven. I was praying. There are people who started with V1 Church but didn't finish with V1 Church because they were trying to use God to bless them. Their motive was revealed by their lack of faithfulness. They were trying to use God to get the blessing of God on their life, trying to use church, trying to use the things of God. I was crying on the way to church. I said, God, every year I've watched pastors try to make money and monetize ministry and I've watched pastors try to build up their own fan bases and followers because they're egotistical and narcissistic I, I've seen worship leaders that could never make it in secular music so they use the church stage to try to give themselves some feeling of success I've seen people try to use you God and I begin to cry and I said God but here I am after all these years I'm not going anywhere God I want you I don't want fame I don't want finances Jesus Jesus, I don't care what the church can do for me. It's what I can do for you. May the lamb be worthy of his suffering through my life. May the lamb be worthy of his suffering. God, it wasn't in vain. And I was pouring out my heart this morning and I said, God, it wasn't in vain when you died for me. It wasn't in vain. I see it, God. And heaven started invading my car. But you know that by faith. 
The previous generation has traditions but no power. The previous generation has false gods that give them false comfort. But I have the true God that comforts me through the Holy Spirit even while I'm in my affliction. The previous generation has opinions, but I have the truth of the Word of God. The previous generations have advice, but I have prophetic direction through the Holy Ghost. The previous generations have strategies, but I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, to prosper you. Do you want to be Terah, or do you want to be Abraham and Sarah? Right now, we're going to pray. These generational curses are spoke of in Exodus 25. They're mentioned again in Romans chapter 5, verse 18, where it says, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. Adam messed up, and it became everyone else's sin because it was transmitted after the fall. But there was a second Adam named Jesus, like a prophetic Abraham, who said, I'm taking humanity in another direction now. I'm going in another direction. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees of his day were so offended. They were offended that the, Jesus was gonna take them another direction, but he would say, hey, don't freak out. I'm not here to abolish your law, I'm here to fulfill it. I'm showing you what it should have always been. Hey, Catholic family members, don't be so mad because I'm actually madly in love with the true and living Jesus. And so the thing that you did through religion, trying to earn your salvation, trying to earn it, I actually know I could never earn it. I never deserve it. I freely received this, God, this gift called salvation. And now I am praying and reading my Bible and serving the true and living God. It's what you would hope for my life, but it's the most purest form. Sometimes you need to hear these messages that say, one Adam fell, the next Adam secured it forever. I want to say it like this as we close. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 1 through 4. The word of the Lord came to me saying, what do you mean? What do you mean when you use the proverb concerning the land of Israel saying, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge? There is a phrase in Israel, and this proverb would be said all the time. So if you saw a bad little kid, if a bad little kid was running around, they would have said in Israel, oh, their dad ate sour grapes, and so now that kid's teeth is set on edge. If a teenager came out and they said, and they're sleeping around being promiscuous, having sex with everyone, in Israel they would have looked at that teenager and they say their dad ate sour grapes, so their teeth are set on edge. In other words, what the parent eats is what rots the teeth of the next generation. It's passed down. And they were saying that phrase over and over again. Listen, the devil is cunning. The Bible also says that we, we have to be wise, be, that the enemy not outwit us, because Satan will get you to fulfill your parents' destiny through another route. And you'll say, I'll never cheat on my husband. And the devil will get you to cheat for a different reason than your daddy cheated, but you end up in the same destination. Some of you said, I'll, I'll never live like that. I'll never become that. I'll never explode in anger. But then what'll happen is you'll end up operating in anger for a different reason than your mom did. But the devil says, I got you to the same destination. 
And so this phrase in Israel was, they were saying the parents eat the sour grapes, but then it sets the teeth of the children on edge. But this is what the Lord said in Ezekiel, through Ezekiel, and I want to prophesy this over our church. It says, as I live, says the Lord God, you shall no longer use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. And so I'm here to declare that we are about to see God transition multi-generational curses into multi-generational blessings. All souls are mine. You are not going to pass things on to your children that are curses, but the Lord says you are going to pass things on to your lineage, the blessing and the favor of God. You're going to pass on a lineage to them, a legacy to them, because God's plans are not years, they're not decades, they are generations. God's plan has has always been a generation through the bloodline of Abraham was Moses come on somebody Moses became a deliverer follow the genealogy and you will you will see Jesus God always had a plan in your bloodline generations generations lived and died to get to the moment where you're hearing the truth you're hearing right now across every campus if you want to respond to this and say I'm not going to be I'm not going to be that person that goes more than halfway that, but stops. I'm going to be Abrahamic. Would you just lift your hands towards heaven across every location? This is a symbol of even lifting up your faith. When you lift up your hands, you're saying, I don't care who sees me. I don't care. This is about me and my bloodline. This is about me and my ancestry. This is when you lifted up your hands, generations behind you, you just forced your genes to lift those hands too. That you, listen, your father never lifted his hands, but you just lifted your hands and you told your genetics, bow to the name of Jesus. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And guess what? We are no longer a house that's made with brick or stone, but we are a living temple, a breathe. So when you say, when Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, the new covenant is that you are the house of the Lord. And so what you say is every single lineage that I inherited, every bloodline from Europe and Eastern Europe and Africa and Asia, every single South American bloodline, hey, every single North American bloodline, you will serve the Lord now. This house belongs to the Lord. This is when curses begin to break all over every campus, all over everybody watching right now online. When you begin to lift up your hands and surrender to Jesus. A thousand generations surrender through your bloodline. A thousand generations. You'll say, I'm not a cheater. I am not those that manipulate. I will not do witchcraft. I will not serve false gods. When Abraham lifted his hands, he said, God, do whatever you're going to do through me. God, I'll go. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Come on, let me pray for you. Father, right now, yes, come on, keep lifting up your voices, worship. Come on, keep lifting up your voices. This is a moment that took some of your family lines 500 generations to get to. This is the moment that took some of your generational lines 30 generations to get to. Surrender to Jesus Christ. Kingdom come. Your will be done. Somebody just begin to say, God, your will be done. Your will be done, Father. We surrender. We decrease. We get out of the way so that you can have your way. Father, I pray for everybody now that freedom would come over them, God, and that they would be completely free.
Come on, let's worship. Let's worship. Take a few moments, church. Oh,